This is Melvin Gorman from the Chargers, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert, episode 214 of the podcast. We're streaming this thing on Periscope and Facebook and YouTube, Twitch, everywhere. Byron, letting the people get the Roster Watch podcast on the video so they can see our ugly mugs, man. What the hell's going on, brother? Uh, just preparations for a quick turnaround from the Senior Bowl and the Super Bowl to the NFL Combine. Almost a decade there for us now uh, as well, Alex. Uh, very excited uh, to meet some of these prospects and just hear the buzz around Indianapolis from the scouts and the NFL types and a lot of our friends who um, get way down into the weeds on uh, the NFL draft content. And, you know, of course, it, you know, the crescendo for us is always when we get to uh, view the quarterback wide receiver throwing sessions inside Lucas oil field. It's kind of an exclusive access for roster watch over the years. And it's been an important, you know, piece of the scouting process. It's always good information on the receivers. It's really served us well over time. And so uh, interesting note though, in Indianapolis that they have changed the schedule up for the combine this year, they've kind of shifted everything up and compacted it a little bit. So, um, Excited to see what the new week, the new media schedule is going to be like. I think it's going to be action-packed, Alex. All right. So uh, we have we have a guy, C. C. Langdon, 13. Oh, boy, man. I was about to freak out and say we need to start the broadcast over because he's saying the audio is not on. He's saying his volume was down the whole time. So, so, so we're good. We're still good. And, yeah, dude, I'm pumped about the new combine schedule. Just also just as a – like as a – having kids, it, like – to be able to get in and um, get in, get there, get back, not have to worry about so much babysitting. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that's not why they did it. But, you know, speaking of kids and wife and stuff, my wife was asking. We were in um, we were in Nashville this weekend and we were out to eat. And she was like, is it true that the combine is thinking about moving? Because she had heard something about that. Do you, do you think the combine is ever going to move and do this stuff they talk about where they – split different events up into different cities and try to monetize different uh, like different testing events or monetize different portions of it. Because I feel like that the combine exists because it's the, it's the combine. It's where everybody comes, where all the medical equipment is, where these scouts can test every single player on the same exact stretch of fucking turf that they've tested all the other ones on the routes on the same. And I'm maybe I'm getting older to where I think like that's the way it should stay too. Um, I'm not sure that the NFL, I mean, the, we know the NFL is old, the NFL is stodgy and the NFL is really, really stuck in its ways, but we also know that the NFL loves money more than anything else. Do you think it's possible that the combine could ever move and break up into separate events away from Indy? Cause I, that, I, 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 I would feel like that's a, just a huge swindle. 
I mean, this conversation arises every couple of years, and I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely, especially anytime soon. It feels like feels like trying to take the combine out of Indy would be like trying to take a giant, you know, freight liner ship and try to turn it on a dime or something like that, man. It's that's, that's a hard, that's a, that's just, it's a large thing to try to recalibrate and, you know, reconfigure, reconstruct. I could see, I, to me, it looks like the NFL is going after the big money overseas before they try to shake every, everybody down for every single penny they can squeeze out of, uh, the NFL combine by parsing it up and making it a fan event. But, you know, look, the draft has been wildly successful. Uh, you know, so I, I don't put it out. I don't put it out of the realm of possibility, but like you say, I mean, it's, these people are creatures of habit and um, there's just a lot of conventions in the NFL that, you know, in the pro- scouting process that are rooted in what goes on in Indianapolis. I'll certainly be interested to see if they can get every one of those NFL coaches to the podium in only one day this year. I find that highly. They, oh, is that the, is, is that the deal? Or So they're going to have to have three at a time. They're going to have to do three at a time. That's going to hurt. We're going to have to choose yeah, two out of which three or just go fire around, get our questions asked, go back. It'll be something where we won't have to necessarily stick around and listen to all these other fucking donkeys as they're ask their shitty questions. We'll just get and I suspect there'll be some scragglers that come in, uh, you know, unscheduled the next day, you know, at least, you know, it'll be late, you know, scheduled on the spot, but it does look like they are in principle attempting to pair the GM NFL coach media session down from two or two and a half days to, you know, one or what could turn out to be maybe one a day. And I could see some extra time, some guys, uh, spilling in and you know what is i think it would be on wednesday or thursday yeah and so just as far as scheduling we will be at the combine again this year i was just looking at the calendar earlier i think it's sometime around the 20th 24th or like right around there byron's right february 23rd through the 26th something like that through the first Yeah. yeah um so we'll be there for that as usual we will have our content Live from there, we're working with SiriusXM to hopefully get at least, you know, a, a broadcast from there. But certainly we'll have all of the, you know, all the stuff here on the pod. So just make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're checking out rosterwatch.com for the complete, um, just the whole list or the whole, what, library of, of, of combine audio that we'll have from all the coaches, all the players, all the GMs, et cetera. We'll have that for our pro members at rosterwatch.com. Also, for the rest of this week, I will have a episode 215 tomorrow with Trashman talking over his latest two um, scouting reports for – who did, he did, he did, um, he did Juwan Jennings from Tennessee and Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, which I'm getting up right now. And then I'll have an XFL breakdown for week one um, on Friday as well. Just breaking down the new XFL league week one, going over the depth charts, the rosters. I've done a bunch of research on it over the past couple of weeks. And um, not sure I'm going to do it every week, but we'll see. <laughs> I got no, no, no fucking way I'm committing to it every week at this point. But if people like it, it can be something that we continue. So we will see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, so you know, make sure that you're subscribed and make sure you're checking us out at rosterwatch.com. It's the best way to support us. With all that said, Byron, let's get into the meat of the podcast here. You said you had a few things you wanted to talk about. I sent you the skeleton of the best ball cheat sheet for 2020. Uh, that's something that we usually like to get up around the time of the combine because there's a lot of the intel that we get from the combine that sort of helps us with 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 shaping it. 
But ADPs, I mean, basically what I did is I looked at the FFPC ADPs, which is a little bit hard because they're skewed somewhat due to the fact that it's, it's 1.5 PPR for tight ends. Um, and But, you know, I'm, I'm in right now three um, uh, best ball 10 leagues. They opened up just yesterday over on Fanball. I'm actually in like number in, in, uh, best, in best ball 10, number three, number four and number five. So I'm, I'm in one of, I'm in like three of the, I guess three of the first five. And um, I'm already noticing that there are some things, there's some differences in ADPs uh, from the way that the first like 60 or so drafts on the FFPC have gone as compared to the way they're going on best ball tens. I guess that's to kind of be expected. Uh, you said you had a few thoughts about that initial skeleton though. This based mainly on ADP with a couple of tweaks about guys who I know that we like more than others. Um, what do you think? Well, hey, Alex, I'm thinking back real quick, too. Didn't uh, You may have mentioned this. Uh, just touch back on that combine conversation for one quick second. You, you did that. I never forget you had that big study on all the medical resources that they had there in Indianapolis years ago, and that continues to be – you may have mentioned that earlier, but that continues to be, uh, you know, the, the anchor to that combine there. And nobody knows Indianapolis has is just wildly dense with medical facilities. Uh, downtown but when it comes to the best ball sheet sheet and byron also i mean what you can't just you can't just fly in 40 of those body fat bmi things or all those mri machines are all like we we get to go into the lucas oil every single year right we, we get to go in every single year to watch the quarterbacks the wide receivers uh watch watch those drills because of our affiliation and our uh, leadership roles within the pfwa right so we like for the last Eight years, we've seen every quarterback, every wide receiver session, and we chart them for our pro members at Roster Watch. When you walk through the deep dungeons of Lucas Oil, it's like they got machines in there that looks like it's from the set of Alien or something like that. These little pods that these guys have to get into, and they're all lined up against a wall, and then all these all these MRI machines, just you know, a, a big row of them, right? And you just look and you're like. They they call this the combine, I think, because they take everybody's combined resources and, and and put it put it all here, right? So we can all use it, and it's it's all here in one in one centralized spot. So yeah, I mean the medical stuff. I mean the the medical stuff is like low key, the the by far the most important reason that, that these NFL teams are, are even there. Like for them, the testing and the meeting, I mean, meeting the prospects is probably in a pretty distant second to the, to the actual medicals. And then in a very, very distant third is, is how fast these guys run and how high they jump. It's more important when you're investing $20 million into something to make sure you're not doing something with, you know, it's like an inspection on a house or something. You may make sure there's no cracks in the foundation or, you know, leaks underneath there in the plumbing or whatever else. On to best ball talk. So always excited to have my first look at the skeleton of the best ball cheat sheet uh, that's available to our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. Uh, every off season, like Alex said, right around uh, time of the NFL combine is when it launches. And as Alex will tell, you, there'll be many, many updates throughout the off season, all the way in uh, to draft season. But, you know, before I make my cross positional evaluations, Alex, this probably the first thing I like to do is, uh, have a look at the intrapositional rankings. And, you know, of course, it's always fun to start at the top with some of the more notable names. And I, I don't necessarily have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of nitpicks or 
uh, you know, complaints about the ADPs that I saw at the top, but certainly I, I had some observations. I thought there's some interesting guys to talk about at the top. So I kind of wanted to begin, um, with Alvin Kamara, Alex, who looks like his ADP is, you know, relatively robust, uh, and, and best ball, uh, at this, at this point. And if you look at Alvin Kamara, he's a player who finished as a fringe RB one last season. Uh, he had the 18 touches per game. Uh, he did still have the 81 receptions, which even though he played one game less or two games less compared to his rookie year, um, kept pace with his receiving volume over the last couple of years. And then, uh, he had six touchdowns Alvin Kamara did this year. So, you know, it wasn't, a, a um, he wasn't a touchdown hog certainly, but it wasn't, you know, an entirely, uh, uh, touchdown depleted season for Kamara. So, uh, it was 15 games played in 2018 for Alvin Kamara and 14 games played in 2019. We have seen him miss a couple of games now, uh, over, uh, the last couple of seasons. And I, I think we've seen that Sean Payton is willing, uh, to rest Alvin Kamara as good as the Saints are when they don't need him. So, you know, we know Latavius Murray is going to be back. And, you know, my feeling is we saw last year, uh, Alvin Kamara for exactly what is and how Saints view him. I mean, there was a lot of hope that post Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara might get a, a bump, more of a volume hog. Uh, status and that just didn't really uh, appear to be the case and you know the Saints don't really have to do that one. you know I still I still see Alvin Kamara very much as a kind of a uh, I don't want to say poor man's version maybe a, a you know upper middle class version of Christian McCaffrey uh, you know maybe even better than that so obviously a lot of a, a lure there but I, I just wonder Alvin Kamara I uh, you know coming out of the season, it certainly felt like he would automatically be one of the big rebound guys that we could get some value on this off season. But from what I'm seeing so far, it, you know, it looks like that's already all pretty much uh, baked into his ADP. Well, how much does the whole Drew Brees stuff concern you? I mean, do you think Drew's going to be back next season? Do you think that how much, how much do you think Sean Payton can legitimately trust what he has behind him. I mean, we look, we all love Taysom Hill, right? He's a fun player to watch. You you can, you, I mean, it's really appealing to think about what he could bring to a football team. If he were in a, I don't know. I mean, is it, is it appealing? It, I mean, it's, it feels like, is he just more too, I mean, he's old. You, you forget that he went to BYU. So I think he probably did his Mormon mission before he went to college that's how a lot of these guys at BYU, uh, you know, they end up being really old and beastly by the time that they are there in school. I think they get like two years of that mission and it would make sense for Hill because I think he's like 27 or 28 already. I'm not sure that he's a prototypical quarterback like you would want. Now, Teddy Bridgewater did. Act, I, did he even lose a game whenever Breeze was out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he did. So I. Uh, there are going to be teams out there, I think, that are, that are interested in Taysom Hill. It's going to be interesting to see what Sean Payton does with that. If it, Let's just say, for some reason, that Drew Brees decides to hang him up after this year. And it's maybe it's, it, they seem like it's going to be Taysom Hill running like zone read kind of stuff, being some kind of big version of Lamar Jackson down there in, in, in New Orleans. How does that affect the way you feel about Kamara? Because Drew Brees has always been the guy who has been so elite with taking these – 
receiving running backs and feeding them volume, getting them the football, you know, making sure that they're targeted. I'm not sure it would stay the same. With that being said, I do think that Alvin Kamara's rushing upside would take a tick up because if there was a guy like Taysom Hill in there to draw the defensive ends in when they were crashing down on those zone read concepts, um, you know, or keep them from, you know, keep them from doing that because they were scared he was going to pull it and run outside. That could help Kamara in that aspect. How does, is it cock maybe to be thinking about this? Uh, do you like, what do you think about Drew? Do you think Drew's going to come back? And what do you think about how things would be for Kamara if he didn't? Well, in best ball, that has to be part of the equation, kind of the expected value of the whole situation. There's a suite of potential outcomes. You've got to have an idea of what you think the odds are for all those. And you've got to kind of stack them all up and you, there you can get a pretty fair assessment of at least how you feel, you know, what the player's value is. And best ball, and you have to consider that Drew Brees might not be back. So if I know Drew Brees isn't going to be back, I'm certainly I'm relieved to know that it's a Teddy Bridgewater. But I mean, at that point, Alvin Kamara takes it, you know, a half round hit in ADP, maybe a quarter round hit in ADP at the very least. So I mean, we felt I we out- felt last year like Bridgewater fucking killed killed Kamara. Last year, it felt like he killed him. I think that I, I honestly think a Taysom Hill could could be better for Kamara. Yeah, to me, if you have if Drew Brees is that is somehow gone, then Camaro does kind of lock into that low end RB one type player, maybe high end RB two. There's a whole whole slew of these guys that are going to be 18 touch guys. You're going to be praying for 20 touches. They're not really 20 touch guys that settle in at that low RB one, high RB two status. And so much of that is just then you got to decide who's going to get the receptions. And who's going to get the touchdowns, which is so hard, you know, to tell you, take, hey, we'll get to Aaron Jones in a minute, but you take a guy like him. I mean, he was an 18 touch per game guy this year, but 19 touchdowns. I mean, that was the difference in the season he had versus the season that Alvin Kamara had. So it's a little bit of a crapshoot uh, with those players with that kind of touch volume, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say Alvin Kamara, no Drew Brees is have probably rationally a low end RB one. And, 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 and that may be at best. All right. Well, so let me just ask you this then. So when we're talking about that, when we think about Nick Chubb, we have Kareem Hunt driving down the goddamn freeway with an open vodka bottle and sp- supposedly some marijuana. It, I mean, with Nick Chubb, if the Cleveland offense takes a step forward next year, which it should with that dumbass Freddie Kitchens out of there, do you think that if there's no Kareem Hunt to swindle Nick Chubb, the offense is probably in a spot where they're going to take a step forward. Is it, is it, we, we know what, what that offense is going to be. We know what they're going to, what they're going to be doing. We could have a saints offense that's completely having to reinvent itself on the fly. Do you think that Nick Chubb in best, best ball might be a little bit safer? Yes. I mean, today I would take Nick Chubb over Alvin Kamara. And best okay. ball, look, Nick Chubb's a guy we've been high on for a while. I mean, we we cashed in on Nick Chubb as a first round pick all day, every day on the draft cheat sheet back in August. Um, and you know, look, this is what we saw. I mean, he was the second leading rusher in the league. We did see he tailed off initially when Kareem Hunt came back. He held steady and strong down the last month of the season. He dipped down to kind of an eighteen touch per game guy. He was a 30 reception player, so he's not a hog, but he's viable 
in that with, area. But certainly without I mean, Kareem the Browns, Hunt, like without the Browns are acting like team. We've seen him. I'm sorry. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to say, like, let's not forget about some of these deep wheel routes and stuff that we've seen Nick Chubb look like a great receiver on. It's just the Kareem Hunt's a little bit better of a receiver out of the backfield. And he was just part of it. Like, I think if there's no Kareem Hunt, man, that's pretty uh, like that opens things up big time for Nick Chubb. Yeah, I just you can't. You don't know what's going to happen with Cream Hunt at this point, right? So, I mean, and look, you got to think, even if the Browns absorb this latest hiccup and keep him in the fold and he minds his P's and Q's, I mean, that might be a guy they just run his wheels off because they don't care about him that much. They're going to use him and abuse him while they can. But part of me thinks, like, they're discovering that they can't rely on a guy like Kareem Hunt. So when you have a, 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 a just a beast like Nick Chubb, who's a quintessential teammate in the core of – your offense and the future of your team. I mean, how much are you going to sacrifice that guy to feed some dude that you don't trust? And I'm, how can the organization trust Kareem Hunt right now? John Dorsey's out of the picture. That was his guy. Well, I, yeah. I mean, and the fact he, he only signed a one year, $1.1 million contract. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's going into restricted free agency with this on top with this, you know, I, I it's like, I think there's a good chance that I think there's a good chance to hunt in there. So I liked, I think I like Chubb over Kamara right now until we get a little bit more clarity there. We have uh, our guy Michael Yeager, I guess, in the YouTube comments asking about Leonard Fournette. Um, you have any thoughts on him or just what else did you want to get on to? I mean, maybe we could hit, hit on Fournette as we go through some of the topics that you wanted to get to. Well, I'll touch on Fournette in context of uh, maybe – the next couple of guys here. So if he'll just hang tight, we'll get to Fournette in a second. Uh, Alex, I did want to mention it. So as we kind of move down to what, you know, per ADPs currently, what is kind of the next tier of the, you know, the top end running backs, as far as best ball ADPs, you, you, you then you move into this territory with the Aaron Jones, the Joe Mixon, potentially the Leonard Fournette uh, and the Josh Jacobs of the world. So just, quick note on Aaron Jones, because to me, this was a player that very clearly seized the role in green Bay. Now, you know, you still have a little apprehension when you realize that he bottom line was still only an 18 touch per game guy. And truthfully, Aaron Jones wasn't exactly the reception hog that you might've expected that he was. It was respectable at 49 receptions for Aaron Jones, but he, he's not going out and just, uh, lighting the targets up from a PPR's perspective. And obviously 19 to touch touchdowns was a super heavily touchdown dependent player this year, over 1500, you know, total yards. However, I mean, more and more, it looks like he's, it's emerging that that Packers offense is kind of an Aaron Jones offense. He sees the backfield. I don't see that taking a step back. I think we can say 18 touches for Aaron Jones, but he's a big play guy. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is functional enough that that offense can still score a lot of touchdowns, but it's not all going to be on Aaron Rodgers back anymore. So I see a guy like Aaron Jones and you could make the argument that the touchdowns are basically the difference between him and Alvin uh, Kamara this last year. But I'd also have to say, you know, Aaron Jones is a player that I think it'd be very difficult to make a case that he doesn't belong over a guy like Alvin Kamara uh, in drafts right now. You think you like Aaron Jones better? I just I just think when you look at the touch, because for me, our, here here's the issue. That for one, 
the the ADPs are you know three four players apart, right? For one, we're splitting for, hairs. Right, 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 and for two, no, it's, these are pretty. But it's not even really split. On what I'm saying is, it's kind of like a chasm. I mean, it feels when you're talking about the very top, you're talking about a guy you're taking. What um, most people are, I mean, it's it's going McCaffrey, Barkley, and then people are choosing between Michael Thomas and Zeke Elliott, and then, uh, I mean. It feels like at least on the FFPC, based on the sample I looked at, it was Camara next. You know, some people were taking Dalvin Cook. To me, I just I felt much more comfortable with Dalvin Cook, right? To like, so I made sure to get Dalvin Cook higher on the cheat sheet. We all know the, the cheat sheet is not rankings. The, the cheat sheet's leverage versus ADP. If you've used it, you understand just what that means. Of course, you can get all of our tools. They're going to help you with your best ball leagues, your dynasty leagues, and of course, you know, most importantly, your redraft leagues coming into August. You're going to be so so educated for those things if you've been following along with this and using these tools as they change and they're crafted but so dalvin for me was easy uh, nick chubb wasn't as easy and we just talked about that derrick henry I, I mean he's going above aaron jones um so that like there, there's a split you know it's like three or four guys but between those two and with aaron jones i just think that the thing we worry about is there's gonna be he's he's not gonna he's not gonna score the most touch the most rushing touchdowns in Green Bay history again. That's not gonna happen. That's gonna regress. But I think what you're saying is the fact that he's finally shown that like look, quit being a fucking donkey. Quit, give me the football. Let let me be the lead back. Right. Let me be the lead back here, and let's not swindle in so much Jamal Williams. Let's not make this so. Uh, I think he's shown it, but I think we're still sort of we're dude, we're still a little bit betting on the come with with that because no matter what coaching staff we've seen how much they like to use Jamal Williams in the receiving game. He's such a good pass blocker. Um, I don't know. It's just like uh, the the I know the touchdown regression is going to come. I think that the volume will be boosted to make up for it, but that's not something I that's not something I know. Like I know that the touchdown regression is going to come, and so is you split the hair by saying, "I is it, look re- regression is going to come for Derrick Henry in a lot of." Can you believe he's saying that he wants the Zeke Elliott contract to be the floor of yeah, where negotiations start? King Henry, bow well, to the do king. You know, bow to the well, king, and what the hell are they going to look? They don't. We know they don't want to pay. Look, they don't want to pay Tannehill or Derrick Henry in Tennessee. We know that for a fact. But what the hell are they going to do? I mean, what I the mean, hell are they going to do? I, I don't know. You I mean, I can see letting Tannehill maybe walk, maybe not overpaying him. But, I mean, you just you have a team that just went to the playoffs. You've got the biggest star on your entire team. You've got nothing else going really going for you. I mean, that's just one where you feel like, as opposed to somebody like Tom Telesco, who's going to tell Melvin Gordon to take a damn hike in Los Angeles. It's just in Tennessee. I just don't, I, I think it's a much more difficult decision uh, to it's, make. And look, if somebody even pays seeing it, what's happened with Gurley, even seeing what's happened with Gurley, they're talking about now they want to trade him to get that contract off the books. Dude, they're talking, the, the news came out today in Arizona that they're thinking about cutting David Johnson, which to me is crazy. They, like that he, 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 he represents $18.3 million in, in dead cap space. 
So I don't know how you could possibly do well, that. They know they're not going to win next year, and he's washed, man. I said from October, from the, I mean, what is it, October, November? I mean, David Johnson is done. He sucks. I would, I would cut yeah. him too. For eighteen point like three million, it cost, I mean, it's going to cost you eighteen point three. It's a big salary cap. It's a team that's not going to win. I don't know. You have to consider it. Look, Kenyon, look, Kenyon Drake's one of the guys I wanted to talk about. He's a free agent. I mean, it'd be interesting. It's certainly going to be interesting to see. What about what Aaron Jones? For, what about Aaron Jones versus Derrick Henry, though? I mean, right now you got to stick with King Henry. If if King Henry goes somewhere else and is paid, it's going to be for a monster workload. Look, the one thing we know about Derrick Henry, though, that's been a luxury and a boon in Tennessee that we would have to keep a very keen eye on if he somehow departed in free agency, is that we've known ever since we scouted. Derrick Henry coming out in our scouting reports on Derrick Henry coming out as good of a player that we always said he was and maintained that he was and promised that everybody would eventually see. Derrick Henry is the kind of player that requires a quality offensive line in order to be successful because if you can stop him before he gets started, he is, yeah, he's he doesn't have speed. You do, you do, you do. So yeah. People don't put all that together. That the, that Tennessee Titans offensive line is a huge, huge reason for Derrick Henry's breakout and his success. So you'd have to really pay attention if somehow Henry left in free agency to make sure he's going somewhere with a quality offensive line. Otherwise, if he goes to somewhere with a bad offensive line, it's a it's a massive hit. It's difficult for me to see Tennessee. I guess they have the option they could. Could, could they franchise Derrick Henry? I suppose. Yeah. Well, and you know what the the thing is, they have they. Uh, it's gonna it's going to if he goes to a place with a bad offensive line, it's gonna make what it's gonna make the fall off that happened last year with Le'Veon Bell look like a you know look like a minor you know blip in the blip in the road. I think it, I think it really could hurt him pretty bad if he's consistently getting hit in the backfield before he can get up to speed. It's like yeah. he's the type of runner that's you know you need all the pieces in place to make it happen. The Titans haven't. Maybe they'll pay him, but I just starting out at ninety. You know, and so I'm taking Derrick Henry over Aaron Jones right now. Both of them over Kamara. I mean, I, you could even make an argument for Kamara or for Henry over Dalvin, but I, I won't argue with that. I like Dalvin. He's a safe play in that scheme and an excellent play as well. Um, so. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of move down ADPs, Alex, right before the Aaron Jones. And this is where the Josh, the Joe Mixons and the Leonard Fournette of the world come into view. And the context that I wanted to speak about them in is in the Josh Jacobs context. Because personally, I'm taking Josh Jacobs over either of those players. And this is coming from a guy who has been a number one absolutist and loyalist for the Leonard Fournette and, and even for Joe Mixon over the last, you know, couple of years. And so, uh, Josh Jacobs is right now setting up to very likely be this year's Dalvin Cook or this year's Nick Chubb for me. Both players that were second round all ADP uh, all offseason last year that I was taking at the end of the first round that we built into our cheat sheets at the end of the first round and uh, we absolutely crushed with this year. I think Josh Jacobs very rationally sets up as a player on that uh, trajectory. Now we did get the news that the team is expected to resign Jalen Richard as kind of a third down back. But I mean, the fact is every team has more than one running back that gets some touches and Josh Jacobs, a 20 touch per game rookie right out of the gate, seven touchdowns, 4.8 yards per carry. He was a high end uh, RB two wasn't necessarily the pass receiver that we were hoping for, but we know he has that skill set. And um, you know, I just see him very much as a guy 
in a John Gruden offense, absolutely deserving of a late round, late round one ADP. And at this point, I just trust him in a John Gruden offense more than I trust Joe Mixon and some harebrained offense with a, a rookie quarterback. And I love Leonard Fournette. I once who's again, to, I who's to say Josh Jacobs doesn't have a rookie quarterback next year? Well, you might. That's a great. That's a great point. You know, look, the we we know that they're not long for Derek Carr. That'll be an interest. That'll be interesting, right? Be interesting to see what happens with Derek Carr. But uh, I can get him above Fournette. I, I I can't get him above Mixon because I think Mixon's going to get Burrow. I think that whole offense will be elevated. I think they're going to have a year there with Zach Taylor. I think they're going to get dude. They're getting they're getting back. Um, Jonah they're getting back Jonah at the tackle that's like a first round pick that they're getting that offensive line gets automatically better that you know I talked to Zach Taylor at the at the senior bowl he like I was like hey man you guys are really trying to get back AJ Green he said oh yeah dude like this is a huge playmaker for us we're definitely trying um he's he's around the he's around the facility as far as I know he he'll be there you know that that's what the head coach is saying I think that offense takes a step forward next year Joe Mixon was getting fed in the season yeah, I mean, he's coming up on where he's going to need to try and do something to solidify a big contract for himself. So I, I think for I think for now, since ADPs don't dictate it, we can get we can get Jacobs above Fournette. But I feel like that's kind of uh, that's sort of enough leverage against the field to where we don't have to get low on. I, I don't want to get low on Joe Mixon at this at this juncture in the early in the best ball season. I expect those ADBs to converge as we get towards the season. I, I believe Derek Carr is probably back this year. We'll see. That's a big narrative. If that has a that has an effect, if that could be an equalizer. But if Derek Carr is back this year, I like Josh Jacobs more than Joe Mixon or Leonard Fournette. At least in terms of, uh, I feel a higher degree of certainty. I feel safer. I did. John Gruden loves those damn running backs, man, and he's got a good offense, good offensive line. So it's close call, but. Uh, probably splitting hairs between Mixon and Jacobs. I think we'd take both of them over Fournette at this point, because here's the thing with Fournette, as much as we love him and he's been undervalued and he'll probably present value again this year. And we expect positive regression for the touchdowns. We got the receptions that we always knew we would get out of them. Those aren't going anywhere. Um, I think his attitude has changed. The the bottom line is we just got to see a different and better construct out of that Jaguars offense to have any confidence that we're going to really get the scoring opportunity. We need a more prolific offensive system in Jacksonville to really get the big time boon out of four We've got all the yards and all the touches this year, but if you don't get the touchdowns, it's like a huge sap on all of that. Right. So. Yeah. But I mean, he was definitely utilized. You know, he was, he was, he was utilized in a way that, I mean, for a while there it was, you know, he was, he was the, besides, Christian McCaffrey, he was the touch god. I get it though. He was, he was, it was, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was bad for a while. I do not trust the Doug Marone. You know, maybe if we get look, I liked what I saw out of Falls at training camp last year. If we know we're for sure getting Falls, but that's up in the air. What's happening with Falls? If I mean, if we're in a, if it's a, if it's a similar quarterback situation to last year, Doug Marone offense. I just trust John Gruden and his offense more, and they've invested a whole lot in Josh Jacobs. That's that's their guy. So nonetheless, probably splitting a few hairs there, but that, that is how we feel. Uh, Eagles fan, or I think it was Eagles fan asking about, uh, uh, Leonard Fournette there, Alex. And then, um, kind of my, 
my last thoughts here was uh, kind of the next tier of running backs. We've mentioned a few of them already, but uh, these are guys that are all kind of be dra- being drafted as RB2s right now. Uh, it's this tier of Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Devin Singletary. I've, I've already, I've already made one big adjustment in that tier since I sent you guys the, or the original. I wonder if you can guess what it is. I think Dur- Gurley's probably gone down. Yep. At the expense Which, of. What do you mean? Well, the Gurley's gone down at the expense of himself and to the benefit, <laughs> to, to the, the benefit of Devin Singletary. Yeah. I'm sure. You got it. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. that's my guy. That's our guy. Well, we love yep. him. So just a couple of things on this tier, Kenyon Drake, uh, he's in a, uh, he's a free agent. we got to see what's going to happen with his contract. He, he had some games with massive volume for the Cardinals, but not all of them were. His receptions weren't through the roof. Obviously, we like a lot out of what we saw out of Kenyon Drake last year. If somehow he gets that backfield primarily you know, to himself, it's going to be an interesting player. But anytime you're pulling the trigger on a Kenyon Drake, like round two, round three, that's, it can feel kind of kind of greasy to do, right? But we, we like the news that uh, David Johnson – is potentially gone. And if that's the case, Drake, I mean, you know, they want Drake back and I don't think anybody else is going to overpay for Drake. So, I mean, logic dictates that, uh, that's a good situation. And then, you know, you have Miles Sanders at the top of this heap. I, I think that's a great look. I mean, went over 20 touches per game down the stretch last year. I think even more importantly, he was a five to six reception per game guy down the stretch, which really puts you starts to put you at the top of the heap with, the aforementioned Fournettes and McCaffrey's instead of in terms of reception volume uh, for PPR purposes. I mean, obviously that I think the one narrative there will be, well, you know, look, we, Sanders got the volume at the end of the year because they were injured at the running back position. Now we know and, they've and, invested- and, and, and even seeded some of that volume to Boston Scott of all goddamn people. Yeah. And it was big breakout games. And then the other ones were like, you know, respectable. So you know, the big narrative there will be, you know, is Miles Sanders really going to get the touch volume? You know, I, I'd expect him to be more of an 18 touch per game guy if 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 the Eagles could have their druthers. You know, we'll see if they bring Howard back or if they add anybody in the draft. Certainly if they don't, Miles Sanders on track to be like a really nice potential RB2. Um, so like, yeah, you, look, if you draft Miles Sanders, it's a good pick. You know, it's a good pick. If you draft Kenyon Drake, I think it's a good pick. It's it's maybe not as clear. You've given the bump down to Todd Gurley um, uh, in exchange for Devin Singletary, who you know I love. I, I see Singletary probably not going to go. T- he's a 205-pounder. He's not. He's a 200-pounder. He's not going to go 20 touches. But he's a sturdy player who, look, the concern, Singletary's tape was eye-popping. What was that coming out of you? What's what school was he for? UA, uh, F-A- the F-A- I, think, I think it was FAU or FIU. I remember one. He had literally eye popping LaShawn McCoy style college film coming out. And it was just difficult to reconcile because he had some physical measurements of like a Jaquiz Rogers. And then he didn't really run that well. And so you have to say, coming from that level of competition, is that tape? for real when we project it to the next level and we're not sure about his athleticism. We got our answers this year. I mean, he belongs and he looks awesome. And so oh, well, I don't dude. expect him yeah. to be a 20 touch guy. I mean, he wow. is a core, he's a core tenant of the bills. He's offense. A, he's, a big, and he's a guy. He's a good piece. Yeah. 
And he was a guy you could trust almost every week. I mean, they want to get him involved. It's a great piece of the offense. So once again, Devil, Devin Singletary, a guy that may be upside capped a little, but man, he's an, an explosive player in a burgeoning team and a burgeoning offense. And I just see Devin Singletary as a very safe best ball pick. He's not going to screw you. Like that's, it's, there's not really much risk involved there. And I think that's a good place to be when you're getting into these, uh, RB twos. And then, um, kind of my last thoughts here, Alex, we're on the chargers running backs, Gordon and Eckler. I mean, you heard what I had to say earlier. I think Melvin Gordon is done in Los Angeles. So if that's the case, look, and we know that there's been a, 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 a change at quarterback there, but it could be a tie rod. It could be somebody like a Mariota. I think it's going to be somebody that comes in is not that far off the cliff. It better not be Brady. Cause he'll get, cause, cause he'll get busted and broken with his old ass behind that offensive line. I think Philip Rivers. Well, and that's the thing. No I mean, you. don't you think, I mean, Telesco is looking at this thing saying there's no way I'm paying Melvin Gordon. I've got other areas I can invest in. So that tells me that Austin Eckler has a direct line to um, another monster role next year. It also tells me that somebody's going to sign Melvin Gordon in free agency. And when they pay him whatever money they're going to pay him, it's going to be in order to give him a big workload. So, you know, anytime you go in on Eckler that early, you get a, a little bit nervous just because it's Austin Eckler. But I think there's value there because his outlook is very, very good. And then if you're willing to speculate, you have to expect that Melvin Gordon is potentially a screaming value right here as an RB2 who's going to probably get signed somewhere in free agency to be an RB1. And I think he's got the chops to uh, do some, some serious damage, you know, if he uh, returns to volume. I'm going to put up this uh, Facebook post here from Dan McCaffrey. He says, Love the work you guys do. Wish I could turn the volume up to hear, hear you while I'm at work. But I'm looking forward to hearing about your work at the Combine while full of shrimp and spicy cocktail sauce. <laughs> now, now why a Midwest city nowhere close to the ocean would even be remotely famous for its shrimp, I don't know. But look forward to it every year. We certainly appreciate it, Dan. We love that spicy cocktail sauce. Byron, uh, as, as usual, um, our travels and travails will be taking us to Indy, one of my favorite spots. Before we get out of here, I just have to ask you, because when we look at this tier of running backs, sort of the tier two running backs uh, that we're looking at in our best ball leagues, when we start getting to pick, you know, uh, 3.03, 3.05, you know, like you said, the RB2s, should Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary most certainly be at the top of that list over guys like Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, and Austin Eckler? I believe so. Okay. Now the hard question. You, I, I know you didn't want to talk cross-positional stuff, but should Lamar Jackson be off the board before either of them? No, because I'm be zeroing in on Patrick Mahomes if I'm going to be going after a big-time quarterback this year. So that puts downward pressure on Lamar Jackson's ADP for me. 